You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. I'm Pastor Bob, and we're talking as we go through the Gospel of Luke. Noticing how that Jesus had particular concern and care and for the outsider, as well as we're looking at the ways in which the Holy Spirit is moving in powerful ways. Today, I'm very excited about talking about a story with you about how Jesus was so approachable to someone that was certainly on the outside or considered to be outside of His love and grace. Recently, I was driving through Springfield, and I came across this car, and I came to a stoplight right behind her, and uh, on the car, there were bumper stickers, and the bumper stickers read that uh, well-behaved women seldom make history, and right aside that was another bumper sticker that said, my other car is a broom, and so as I was looking at those two messages, it really made me think that I was really just behind a very angry woman. I went to staff the following day, and I shared my dismay and about the message that I thought was being sent by this particular individual through her bumper stickers. Well, as I was talking about well-behaved women seldom make history, and my problem with that statement, there was a certain staff member who had on her person a t-shirt that's read, well-behaved women seldom make history. And there you go. And later, for lunch, I came across another staff member who said, you know, I really like that statement, well-behaved women seldom make history, which proves that it's never too late for an old codger like me to understand things in a new light. Well-behaved women seldom make history, and so I I googled that, and I found that the original statement was made in 1976 by a Laurel Thatcher Ulrich, who was talking about how that many times in history, women who were well-behaved were taken for granted, but how that that went viral, and that began to be a message in which a lot of people began to recognize that if women always stayed within the confines of what men considered to be good behavior, we would not have found some progressive things that happened in culture and society like the suffrage movement, which made its great achievement 100 years ago. And we certainly wouldn't be able to read the story of the gospel that we're going to look at today of a woman that did not stay within the confines of what was considered well behavior, the protocol of what the men in the story thought advisable. So let's look at these words as we begin the story from the Gospel of Luke, the seventh chapter. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city, heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. 
Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. So picture the scene with me. Simon, a well-to-do religious leader, invites Jesus to his home. It's probably an open courtyard, maybe not unlike a, a backyard barbecue that we have, except the menu is very different, and except people are reclining instead of sitting. But in the courtyard, there's an opening, and when a rabbi or famous teacher, uh, teacher came, other people could walk in. But what is unusual, what is beyond pale, is that this woman does not stand and stay on the sideline. But she comes and creates this dramatic scene where she comes and she breaks an alabaster jar. She pours perfume, expensive perfume, over Jesus' feet continuously, kissing his feet, pouring more perfume, kissing his feet. And what's more, a well-kept woman, a professional woman, a woman of any decency in that culture would have kept her hair bound. But her hair is down and loose in this extravagant display of love and appreciation and gratitude to Jesus. But it has all kinds of overtones and messages because she is known about town as an immoral woman. And so Simon, the Pharisee, has a thought bubble right over his head. And that thought bubble reads, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Now, I've met Simon, haven't you? Simon exists. Simon's very much in our culture. Sometimes I have to admit that Simon lives inside of me. Simon is religious. Simon is someone who is condescending. Simon feels he is better than others. But I've also noticed that Simon sometimes is not religious. Sometimes Simon is secular. Sometimes Simon is not in the church, but in the culture and society. Sometimes Simon is a man. Sometimes Simon is a woman. But one of the characteristics of Simon, however he appears or she appears in, in a certain guise, is that they have a common thread about them. They have an elitism about them. They have a better-than-you kind of attitude about them. They have a dogma. It may not be a religious dogma, but it is a dogma nevertheless. And essentially, the Simons of our culture are running rampant. And the Simons narrative is that once you cross a line, once you break a moral code, Regardless of whether it happened 20 years ago or 30 years ago, 
regardless of whether you were a teenager or early 20s, I am done with you. That's a, that's a false narrative that is rampant in our culture. Once a blank, always a blank. You go ahead and fill in the blank. It's like a scarlet letter that we tattoo on another person. And everyone in culture and society knows about it. Now this false narrative, this Simon attitude, is totally repugnant to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not that we're saying that when people do horrific things, that we just turn the eye and not pretend. Not saying that at all. Not saying that we wink and we defend what is indefensible or we justify what is not justifiable. Not saying that people will be messy and it will be difficult at times to really hold out the hope of someone being able to have a transformed life. What we are saying that when someone, anyone, has a past and they get identified and labeled in that past, a follower of Jesus must be like Jesus, not being ashamed of being seen with that person. The one thing that Jesus was continuously criticized for in this story, in the thoughts of Simon, and his men, his friends. And we will see it again and again and again in the Gospels, that this man eats and drinks with sinners. What we're saying is that, that people can be changed, that people can be transformed. You would think that Jesus, of all people, would have been embarrassed by this over overture, this over-the-top love that this woman of ill repute is giving him before everyone. But the remarkable thing about Jesus is he doesn't seem in the least bit embarrassed or caught off guard by what the woman does. Jesus' message really is, Simon, yes, I know the kind of woman she is, or I know the kind of woman she was, but I also know the kind of woman that she's becoming. I know the kind of woman that she is now. And what's more, Simon, I know the kind, kind of a man you are. And so Jesus has some direct words that he wants to say both to the woman and to Simon. And first, Jesus has some words for Simon. Let's continue reading. And Simon, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. 
So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more than that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But he has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows very little love. So Jesus' story is very straightforward. There's a debt of 500 coins, and there's a debt of 50 coins. And the person that has been forgiven 500 coins worth is going to be more loving, more grateful, naturally, than a person that's been forgiven 50 coins worth. And yet Jesus is saying to Simon, he's saying to me, perhaps he's saying to you this morning, whether you are a person that has had 500 coins worth of debt that is to be forgiven, or whether you are a person that has been forgiven only 50 coins worth, you still have not been able to repay that debt. You're still a debtor. You're still in need of God's forgiveness and grace. Now, it's debatable whether Simon really had just 50 coins worth. But Jesus has given him that. But it's been my experience as I walk with Jesus is that when I'm able to acknowledge my 50 coins and then they get to be forgiven, well, there's 50 more coins. And there's 50 more coins. And there's 50 more coins. And so some of us who have been good moral people for those of us who's been a part of the church most, if not all, our lives. For those of us who've been religious. For those of us who follow Jesus. Jesus has a way of revealing to us more and more coins worth of sin and debt that we can never pay. Simon suffers from a self-righteousness and a harshness that he's not able even to recognize the gratitude and the love of being forgiven 50 coins worth. And in the story, Jesus confronts Simon and he says, you have snubbed me publicly. You didn't give me the common courtesy of being greeted as a rabbi would be with a kiss. You haven't anointed me with oil. You haven't given me the water to wipe the dust from my feet. That is a typical courtesy that's given to every guest. And yet this woman has loved me greatly. And so then Jesus has something to say as well to the woman when he says these words. 
And Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The irony of this story is that the outsider, the non-religious, the person of the poor reputation, the person who has been tattooed all over her skin as someone that is defective in her character, the people are done with. She is the one that is pronounced whole. She is the one that has the faith that restores her, that heals her, that allows her to receive the peace of God. And it's the religious people. It's the people that are left muttering, the men among themselves, who mutter first about what kind of woman she is, now are muttering about what kind of a savior or what kind of a guy is this Jesus that thinks he has the right to go around forgiving sins. It's ironic, isn't it, that Jesus draws a circle around himself that is big enough and wide enough and expansive enough where it includes the woman and anyone that would come to receive forgiveness and this new life. The religious leaders draw a circle around themselves that shuts Jesus out, that shuts the woman out, that shuts other people like her out, that shuts really anybody out that's not like them. So who, who are you? Which person do you identify with the most in this story? Are you more like Simon? What is the condition of your heart this morning? Is it cold? Is it sterile? Is it condemning? Condescending? Judgmental? Or is your heart more a heart of love and gratitude? Are you able to come to the point of expressing your great gratitude and love to Jesus? If so, what, what does pouring perfume at his feet look like for you? Is that something you do? Is that something you're able to come to do? Or are you more like Jesus, who extends God's grace, God's forgiveness to everyone? Well, there's a lot of things that's in this story. There's a lot of lessons that we can learn. And I want to, I want to name four things that I think uh, are important lessons for us to take home with. And you may even want to write this down. It's crucial to differentiate between sin and the sinner. One of the things that's remarkable about Jesus is that he consistently goes hard on the things that are broken in people's lives. Jesus is very clear of, of having a zero tolerance for, for sinful actions 
that continue to happen in our life. And yet at the same time, he's able to reach out to the person who is the victim of that sin, the sinner themselves. What's ironic in this story is that the woman is not the sinner. Who's the sinner in this story? Simon is the sinner. And Simon's sin is not his commission, but his omission. Simon's sin is his ingratitude toward Jesus, his inhospitality to Jesus, his snubbing Jesus, and his condemnation of the woman. Simon is the sinner. The second thing that we need to recognize is that God deals with sin firsthand, but we only deal with sin secondhand. What do I mean by that? God alone is judge and savior. And Jesus, as our judge, identifies with our sin. Jesus identifies with all that is broken in us. When Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River, he is identifying with every one of us who are baptized for the remission of sins. In his ministry, in his life, Jesus was continuously someone that was willing and consistently rubbed shoulders and elbows with people who were continuously messing up in their life. And Jesus deals firsthand with sin when he takes it upon himself on the cross. And so the wonderful thing is that when we really want to deal and help other people, we never have to deal with sin firsthand. God has already done that. But if we know God as a loving God, as a pardoning God, as a God that restores us, then it is our joy then to introduce other people to that God. That's our role. And then I, I, there's a response of faith that it is a personal choice in this story. We're reminded that some people in this story, most of the people in this story, do not respond to Jesus. They don't see their need of forgiveness and love. The woman does. We can never force or coerce someone else to come to faith. We can't force that on someone. But what we can do is we can create homes and spaces and third places of hospitality. Simon has created a home of hostility toward Jesus and toward the woman. Our role as the followers of Jesus is not to be in a place of hostility toward people, but to create places of hospitality where people can come and know us and relationships and begin to find and be introduced to the God that we know and love. And then finally, I want to say that the, the greatest thing that I think we can ever do for someone is to speak forgiveness over their life. You ever had someone just speak forgiveness over you? I mean, you, you're, you're just too hard on yourself. 
or you can't believe that God can ever forgive you, or you've lived in shame for much of your life, and you come to the reality that this God is a pardoning God, this God is approachable, this God is loving, this God has taken his, your sin, my sin, on himself. And someone, as a priest, as a representative for God, says to you, maybe in an informal way, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're forgiven, but in a very normal way. Don't you know, brother, sister, that your sins are forgiven? And, and do you ever speak that in other people's lives? Speak grace and wholeness and love. Well, this is an amazing story. It's a story in which I think all of us can find ourselves. It's a story that reminds us that all of us have debts that we cannot pay. That all of us can know the forgiveness of God. That all of us are called to make a response. Two very different kinds of responses to Jesus in this story. Which kind of a response will you make?